0: Hi I'm Kate and I'm Mandy and this is Love Sober, the podcast for the Sober and Sober Curious. Hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the Sober and Sober Curious and today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome an old friend, Veronica, Veronica Valley. hello. Hi Kate, so nice to be here. I know it's so lovely to see you um we nearly met up when you were in London didn't you and in the end I was I chickened out because I was scared of, of the bugs on the train well, and I'm really d- gutted now I was like oh it would have been so nice
1: I don't I don't blame you but I'm actually gonna be home again in the summer so maybe we can yeah. all, all do something then it'll be really nice yeah it's just such a I mean coming back to England in January in the middle of the Omicron wave it was a crapshoot, anyway. Who knows what I was going to have? I just can't
0: believe I got home without it. That was that sounds like one of those hero heroine journeys, having to come home in yeah. Omicron in the winter. It's like okay, it was just like a spiritual challenge. <laughs> so, I'm talking to Veronica again. We actually had Veronica. On the podcast on number 74 back in 2020 Gosh. so I can't believe that's a couple of years ago but Veronica's yeah. written a, a new book a book Soberful uh, uncover a sustainable fulfilling life free of alcohol she has 20 years as a recovery coach and psychotherapist and she's been sober since 2000 and you're just such a shining leading light in this conversation um, which I know, and part of w- what you do is that you change the conversation about sobriety and how to sustain it. And it's just an honor to have you on again. So thank oh, you, thank you, Well, you know, I'm big fans
1: of uh, you and Mandy because I you know, I really wish that um you guys had been around when I was in England and kind of club sober and all that kind of stuff. It's just so needed. And I just really love seeing the challenges that you are giving to this cultural belief that alcohol is everything, alcohol is the best way to have fun. So, I'm equally as big a fan of you guys.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Um, okay, so, we've mentioned two years since we've kind of spoken and so rather than kind of diving in we usually ask us you know what brought you to the the decision to be alcohol free so if anyone's listening in there might be new listeners because of dry january right so that's why we're signposting episode 74 and you tell your story there Mm. so if we could just have a little look at the last couple of years and you know how things have been for you what you've been up to and yeah the latest sort of chapter maybe for you yeah how how was your pandemic kind of thing
1: yeah how's it (laughs) for you darling how was your pandemic (laughs) yeah so I remember I actually remember when we did recorded that because it was during the first lockdown and um I uh, I was working in my bedroom because everybody was home and I didn't I had to give my office up to my husband and and uh Yeah, and uh, I got my book deal got signed right when COVID first hit. And I had to, again, like find quiet places (laughs) to try and get it written. Um, I remember actually going when we were in New York when the first lockdown happened. And when um, it was lifted in June, I booked a hotel for like three or four nights because I had to get away from my family to be able to concentrate. And I remember the feeling of giddy freedom Mm -hmm. like I I don't know like it was so weird wasn't it but I remember like sometimes on Sundays we would just go out for a drive just just to get out and like like people used to do in the 50s we'd just go out for a drive (laughs) around because you didn't have anywhere to go nothing was open so we just sort of drove around listened to music and audiobooks so I remember when I I drove to the Hamptons and it was like three hours and I felt like giddy and then at the hotel there was only like a handful of guests and we were all like kind of 20 feet apart, kind of like, hello, and it was so weird, mm-hmm. so weird, but so good to be out. Um, yeah, I mean, what's the last two years? been? I mean, I wrote the book, we've been dealing with the pandemic, it's been, I feel, you know, America was a bit, we didn't have a second lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, which helped, I know you guys did. And that was, must have been hard. Um, you know, very, it depends on where you go in the states, it, it, different states, Mm. Did it differently. You know, Florida and Texas, you could do whatever you want, pretty much. New York yeah. and California locked down really hard and masks and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. and we live in a very outdoorsy place. So that was helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is, isn't it? It almost feels like a silly question to ask when I think about it. And I, I'd forgotten the uh, actually us all in our bedrooms because I was in my bedroom as well. And I'd <laughs> given up my office to my <laughs> husband, but I managed to get it back. And you've clearly managed to get your one back.
1: <laughs> well, we actually, um, in, well, in that time, my husband retired and we moved uh, to the West Coast. So now we live in uh, Nevada, which is, mm. I tell people it's California. It's right on the border of California when we live in the mountains. So uh, my husband, it's amazing. For the first time ever, I don't have any childcare responsibilities. My husband's doing it all. Wow. Well. It's incredible. So, and I'm working and I'm, I'm really loving this dynamic right now. Mm. So there's been quite a new lease of life for you recently then. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's really, uh, it kind of, you know, happened at the right time because I've I've got really busy with the book and a bunch of other things that I'm doing. And my kids are a bit older, but it it's, i you know have always juggled my work around this mm. their schedules and had to fit it in and uh, not to do that is like really amazing
0: it's liberating yeah yeah well let's just dive into the book okay. because i i absolutely loved your book and and you know we had a brief chat before didn't we and i pulled out the the phrases that it's about sustainable fulfilling life free of alcohol mm. and we had a bit of a chat about that kind of piece about okay so this is not a necessarily fully a quick book but it's about okay this is the early steps and you do lead the reader through a journey of what to expect when they embark on this journey but it goes much deeper um into that and what I'd really love to dive into with you is your is your kind of method really or your model like your that you call your five five pillars um and I just wondered if you could yeah you could t- we could take each one and have a dive into them and talk about what they are and then maybe what you do to look after yourself with reference to that pillar and, and why they're so important
1: yeah I it it sort of came together because this is stuff that i've the work that i do so I, this is the work i do personally on myself to get where i am and i always like to point out to people i did not show up like this i i was a train wreck and uh it stopping drinking was the first step but that didn't fix everything you know it's, mm-hmm. i i hit an emotional rock bottom at three years i was suicidal because i hadn't taken care of issues from my past that were still showing up in my present so, um, and then it's the work that as a psychotherapist I did in clinics and in my private work um, that, and and really that the five pillars of sobriety, they're just, pers- it's just personal development. That, that what's in the book is appropriate for anybody. And um, everybody has to do this work, mm. every human being. It's just that people like us get this kind of urgent call to do it. And it's also for many of us It's the tools that we didn't have or weren't given as children. You know, we need to be equipped, for example, to have boundaries, to be able to identify our feelings. And I'm sure you didn't, I know I didn't grow up in a family that role modeled that or taught that or anything. So I I wanted to put it, the book is basically the how. It's the Mm -hmm. net, I'm sober or I want to get sober but I do not feel the way that you, people have been telling me I was gonna feel. I don't, you know, this doesn't, it feels better, but it doesn't, you know, I still feel uh, at a loss. I still feel um, like my feelings are in charge of me. I still feel full of fear and anxiety. It's the therapeutic work that we need need to do, but in a really accessible way. And I also, I don't like the word work. I always use effort. Mm -hmm. Having a drink problem is hard work having dealing with an alcohol problem is hard work we need to put effort into sobriety mm. and and this is like the book is the effort
0: you know you need to do these things yeah yeah the yeah the effort that you is worth <laughs> it's worth it and it's, it's so worth it um but like you said the um i think it's really important to almost manage people's expectations around the sober journey um um, and kind of you know forearmed is forewarned is forearmed kind of thing because that I definitely resonate with that and when I yeah it happened to me when I was about a year and then I went back to drinking because of Mm. all of the stuff that was bubbling up that hadn't been dealt with and all the bad the bad old habits you know the stress Mm. I had no idea how to manage my stress that that was the boundary stuff there was nervous system regulation there was self-taught there was, you know I always say you can you can get sober with the stick but you can't stay sober with the stick and that's yeah. a kind of that early muscle power you know you can but it runs out right so
1: yeah no that's a, I, I like that expression and uh, because we we have in our culture defaulted to alcohol um to emotionally regulate ourselves yeah so we've we, we've it's so accessible it's so encouraged mm. um it's so cheap um that we have um just that that's the tool that we use to emotionally regulate ourselves mm-hmm. and to deal with you know and we get that oh, you deserve a drink after the week mm. you've had or have a drink you'll feel better and that sounds very harmless but it's that's what we did so Mm. we never developed the um tools to in order to be able to deal with a bad day or all of that kind of stuff so so the five pillars are uh movement connection balance process and growth and they don't really go in order like the 12 steps they sort of they're like cogs in a wheel Mm. they all kind of turn together but we can focus on um Uh, different ones at different times and I always kind of start with people uh, focusing on movement and movement works on two different levels so um, the the first and the easiest one is we have just an abundance of research that shows that uh, moving our bodies that exercise is simply one of the best things we can do for our mental and emotional health it's the best antidepressant that we have I, I really believe if we can uh, if people could move their bodies outside in nature on a regular basis, we would solve like 50% of mental health mm. problems. You know, it's, it, it's just so good for us to just get that. So ser- just walking, you know, I'm not talking about doing a triathlon or anything like that, but just walking mm. outside.
0: So I just um, read some research about that. Sorry to jump in. Yeah. I actually read some research. It was Steve Kaplan and Rachel Kaplan who, were yes. university professors over stateside? And a while ago, I think in the 70s, they said, and I just, it's funny you should say that I just read it today um about this kind of boosting mental health in nature. And apparently, the minimum is two hours a week to wow. actually notice yeah. a big difference. Mm. Yeah. And
1: I mean, I use, I have a Peloton, which I love because it's just so easy. But I just think there's such a big difference being, where the dirt and the trees and the water is. And yeah. so many people I know don't have access to that. But move, so moving our bodies. But there's also the thing about prioritizing that. And I think as women as well, our needs are often, you know, we, we will put those far down the bottom of mm. the scale. And I think there's something important in that I'm going to carve out, you know, 30 minutes most days to go for a walk and listen to a music or a podcast or whatever, because I'm worth that. Yeah, it, there's, there's something about saying that I'm worth it that's really important um, but the other thing about movement is about being uh, it's about purposeful direction yeah. so it's about where am I going like what am I where what yeah. am I moving towards and what do I want to move away from because when I was drinking I was like a little boat on the ocean without a rudder I just was sort of this way in that way I went to university because all my friends went to university yeah. Right, I, my, my, I traveled to America because my friends did that. I didn't, like I knew what I was doing this weekend and probably the weekend after, but I didn't really know where I was going or what mattered to me. So it's, we when we have an alcohol problem, we lose ourselves a mm-hmm. little bit by degrees, we just lose ourselves. And, um, movement is about reclaiming what we want to move towards. It's a bit about kind of uncovering our values. What, what really matters to us doing a values exercise is really helpful because um, it it will evolve as we get older, but it's about, well, you know, um, uh, growth is really important to me or spirituality is really important to me. And then being able to see actually is not anything in my life right now that I'm doing that, matches with that and i want to move towards back towards those things if that makes sense
0: yeah so it's asking ourselves what's important to to ourselves and then seeing if there's any of that showing up in our lives
1: and then moving towards it it's Mm. just about like you know if if creativity is you know one of my values what is one thing i can do to just move towards Mm. that it's not about i'm going to create a masterpiece by the weekend it's just like i might buy some coloring pens or something Mm. You know, it's about, because alcohol sucks up so much time and energy. Mm-hmm. That's why we move away from the things that are important to us, because alcohol is a yeah. demanding mistress and takes yeah. a lot of time and energy. So it's it's recognizing that.
0: Yeah, and how can we um, uncouple? because sometimes I think that, because uh, when we have an involved relationship with alcohol, our values get somehow misaligned and tied up with it. So mm-hmm. it could be like, actually for me, um a real really important value for me is fun. So yeah. I thought I got that with alcohol. So how can we yeah. uncouple almost our values and untangle them from alcohol and what and how do we kind of move them onto sobriety? Yeah I I agree
1: me too. I'm very sociable. I'm an extrovert you know fun isn't a really important it's not a frivolous thing. A life devoid of fun would really be horrible. Um it, it's um reframing that it, it's the it, and it's uh, the book also talks about this in the beginning is the belief system that we have been culturally given that alcohol is the best way to have fun and that mm-hmm. if we don't have alcohol we won't have fun and none of those things are true and and that takes a shift in perspective and it, it, it's also a process to I, I remember so i got sober at 27 and i love you know I, I wanted to go out and party and dance i just didn't want to use drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. So I was about 11 months sober, maybe a bit less when I went out with a group of sober girlfriends, maybe five or six of us. we went to a bar together um, and we spoke about it about because we wanted to dress up and go and dance and flirt with boys. And we went and it was really weird and it was fine. We danced, but it was very weird. And then we came home. And then after a few more times, it was normal. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, my late 20s, that's what I was doing. I was had a group of friends, some drank, some didn't. We'd go out. We'd go to lots of I love live music. Go to a lot of live music, which is so much fun for me. Festivals. We used to go to the V Festival in Chelmsford, um, uh, and and go out dancing in different places, and it was so much fun. But it, it was a process mm. to get there. And to see that I could have all of those things sober.
0: Yeah. It's um, Bexweller, lovely Bexweller, who, I don't know if you know her, she's an author and she does sexy sobriety. Yeah, yeah. she's brilliant. Yeah. She said, um, it's always awkward before it's elegant. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And we get used to it, right?
1: (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. So it's really this reimagining our lives and and these kind of fixed beliefs that Mm. i can't have fun because i don't drink and i can't socialize and all of that kind of stuff and none of those things are true but there is an it is awkward and a bit of an adjustment and it's so
0: helpful to have a community to support yeah. you with that yeah and then you get those kind of role models don't you have just reflected back at you because you need a different mirror you need different I think you mentioned that in your book actually don't you is that what's mm. next so one of your pillars actually is connections maybe that's a good one yeah. to move on to now yeah
1: yeah so connection um there is a there's a great book uh that I used it's in the it's in the notes it was written by Obama's a sur- surgeon general um about loneliness mm. and um, there's three levels of loneliness so there's three levels of connection and we all need um, intimate connection um, and that's not necessarily a, a, a romantic partner it can be a, a platonic soulmate a best friend a mentor um, we all so we need that level we need uh friends and we mm. need to be part of a community mm. and we can have uh one or two of those fulfilled but still feel lonely Mm. so that that happened to me when i lived in cambridge just before i got married i had all of that i had my husband to be i had a wonderful circle of friends big part of the sober community and then we moved to the united states and i was pregnant and i didn't have any support i had my husband but i was very very lonely because i just didn't have close friends i didn't feel part of the community and had to work really hard at getting that back. And that's, you know, I've moved several times in America and each time I'm very conscious that I have to work. I have to work at it. People are not yeah. going to come to my door and be like, oh, you're nice, do you want to come out? You know, you have to show up regularly mm. in places to be able to connect that with effort people. effort again, isn't it? You're talking about, mm, yeah. Mm.
0: Meaningful mm.
1: connection <clears throat> is life-saving. It, we need it like we need air and water. Loneliness, I think, is one of the defining characteristics of an alcohol problem, and it almost killed me. Mm. The loneliness just almost killed me. And when I got sober, I was just talking about this with someone the other day. I mean, the loneliness was a big, big thing. And I, what terrified me was weekends, because mm. I could work and you know that was busy, but I didn't have a family. And like, I'd have all of this time to fill and be on my own. And I would, my weekends were planned well in advance because I was so scared of being lonely. Mm. Now, it's not like that now. It hasn't been like that for a long time. Even before I had kids in a family, that went away. But in the beginning, I had to really make an effort. And, and at the, you know, I, I go to AA, that really helped a lot in that there's always a meeting and quite often people go for coffee mm. after a meeting. And that helped enormously in those early mm. days to just fill that time um but i think everyone's experienced that kind of loneliness if you've had an alcohol problem
0: yeah so true isn't it i read that really resonates with me because i moved, when my drinking escalated i'd moved to a new town and suddenly my husband was working in london i wasn't mm. working in london anymore I was at home looking after the kids and i just yeah. was like wow this and the, and there was part of that loneliness was when you know that this is not working anymore but you're getting it mirrored back that it's just completely normal and you're trying to fit you're almost like trying to fit in rather than being able to belong anywhere yeah um probably the most most critical point of my recovery was that relationship with myself community and I love what you said you put in your book belonging to yourself which is such I just felt like I wanted to have a little cry when you said Mm. that and the work of self-compassion because as Mm. soon as I could hold space and love in on myself instead of have that self-aversion that was almost like that piece in the puzzle of connection as well that 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 I really needed Um, Mm. so I don't know if you can speak to that
1: yeah and and that's see that's the biggest thing is um and what causes i feel the most pain and distress is the disconnection from who we really are and it would just kill me that i just like you said i would show up in a way that i thought other people wanted me to so i could fit in Mm. and not be alone but i showed up as a fake person you know i said things i didn't mean um just so i i could you know feel like i was part of a group and, and and my behavior with alcohol caused the deepest connection and and really the connection pillar the first part is this returning to ourselves and that is it causes the greatest pain the disconnection but when we start that journey back to ourselves and reconnect with who we really are there's nothing like it
0: That's nothing there's nice nothing like it
1: no. right you know and I, I love it when I talk to someone who knows what that's mm-hmm. like and it's like
0: yeah. I just wondered. there's something that Tara Brack pulled out she said something about it was a, a lecture on 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 addiction and self-compassion and she was talking about desire and the roots of the word desire uh, as in I want something I want something mean separated from our star it means away from our star like our north star our pole star our self, and and that feeling of that coming back to self not needing that external you know grasping mm. uh, and I thought that was a beautiful way of of yeah sort of a beautiful metaphor almost for that mm. coming back to self um, yeah yeah
1: and 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 that's we we have to have for, to for to be sober it, it's not just about not drinking there's so much more on offer than the not drinking alcohol um mm. I, I think sometimes people think like I'm just, my life will just be the same. I just won't mm-hmm. be drinking and or hungover, but nothing else will change. That is not what's on offer with sobriety. There is so much that we can get, um, but the first step is to to put down the booze. But, and, and really one of the richest rewards is that reconnection with who we really are. And it's that I sleep in my head at night, not you. I have to show up in the world Mm -hmm. in a way that, and act in a way that means I can sleep in my head at night. What I think of me is more important than what anyone else thinks of me. Mm -hmm. And it was always the other way around. Learning that lesson was a huge one. Um, uh, And that kind of goes on to the next Mm -hmm. pillar, which is um, learning to have balance and boundaries. So the third pillar is uh, balance. Whatever the question, balance is always the answer. And balance is about balancing our needs and recognizing that as we um, grow and our circumstances change, our needs change. And, and the best example of that, really for everybody, was the pandemic. Is we, you know, we have all these different needs, and then bang, we're in lockdown. But we still have needs to be sociable, to exercise, to work to be with our children but our circumstances changed Mm. and we had to do it differently i remember um we bought bikes and we lived in this little village it was really cute and we we were as a family we all get up quite early so we were all up at like 6 30 and we would bike around at 7 a.m our village and go and visit people so uh we you know everyone was in their garden and would be like 10 feet away and we'd just be like hi how are you doing and like we got exercise and we visited and we we're able to chat with people and, and then you know go back and the kids would start online school and we would start work. That was just that's an example of we still had those needs, but we had to change how we met them. Yeah. So that's you know, we were just talking before we got started about you know what age we are and going through the menopause. Like that's you know, our circumstances are gonna change and we're gonna have and, and it's responding to that when we feel out of balance when we're not meeting our needs we will begin to feel uncomfortable in our own skin mm. and when we feel uncomfortable in our own skin our brains will look for a way to change that mm. how can i how can i take this feeling away and it will look for an anesthetic yeah. so that's why it's really important for
0: us to do that mm. yeah i love that idea and and there is that i i love that kind of that that whole topic of balance and I know that you you can do it you can visually represent it in different ways I think you talked about having the plate the balance plate Mm, with the different elements on it you know you could have the wheel of life or you can you know um but what are the components that we need then would you say to have that the balance what's the what are the ingredients there it -hmm. it differs for
1: everybody but we all have like physical health needs we need to move our bodies we need to eat well we need to get enough sleep we need to have some meaning in our life whether that's through our work or somewhere else we need to have connection with the people you know you know for me after I had kids it's like once a month I had this like mum's group that would meet up and I Mm. I needed that once a month I needed to not be someone's mother or wife I needed to be you know so um uh so we have career needs we have um spiritual needs so we all it it, it it all looks we all kind of have the same but in very different ways you know mm. so it, it's re- and it also depends on where you are in your life as well yeah. you know yeah. uh, uh you, my husband's just retired he's in his 60s what his needs were in his 20s is yeah. it's very different now so um
0: And without alcohol, you can hear what those needs are authentically and then start to go around. Because like the other thing is, I had this idea that I should just know how to do things. I don't know why. It was part of my lack of self-compassion. It was like, right, I'm an adult, so therefore I should really know how to do all this stuff. And so this idea that you know when life throws us curveballs or when we go through a transition and we have to recalibrate and get new tools on board it was like oh I sort of felt very static and like I should just know it and it's there's a lovely sort of um there's a lovely liberty and and freedom in in allowing ourselves to explore and learn right and think well what is well actually what might that look like now And, you know, the the sort of moving through those sort of liminal periods and then to find a new tool that works or Mm. make those micro adjustments just feel like I get that idea where, you know, in a cockpit of the airplane, like navigating the prevailing winds, you know. Yeah. And
1: so what the thing about balance, mm-hmm. we can't have balance without having good boundaries. And those two things go together. So that that was like, that's one of the fundamental things I see people struggle with all the time. You know, I, I see it this in sober groups all the time. They're sober a few months and they've just, you know, had this tiff with their family or their neighbor or their coworker or their partner and they feel outraged and they don't understand why. And I just think, well, oh, you just didn't have good boundaries. Yeah. You, no wonder you feel like because you feel like you've been taken advantage of because mm-hmm. you didn't say no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and for me, I mean, I didn't even know this was a thing. And I actually remember when Chip, I was remember being in Chip's office when I was about two years sober and I was complaining about my mother. And, uh, he said to me, you know, you can have boundaries with family. And I went oh. like, no. it was, it That's was like, thing. I was like, no way. Like I, that blew my mind. And, um, Being able, and and then it's that it's not just like okay, I can kind of understand that as a concept, but specifically, how do I have boundaries with people, especially people who who just push them all the time, like Mm. usually family members. So learning, and it's in this is in the book specifically how to have boundaries in a way that kept the good in and the bad out and kept both of us safe, Mm. And, and. you know understanding you know when i began to have boundaries that i would experience afterburn which is that kind of sting of when you've said no to someone you walk away thinking oh my god everyone's gonna hate me no one's gonna like me oh my god they're gonna think i'm a terrible person and that's what i mean about being able to sleep in my head at night Mm. when i said yes to things i didn't want to do to get because i wanted you to like me i couldn't sleep in my head at night i i found that once i you know I, i was out of integrity so Mm. Having boundaries, you know, Brené Brown says this, you cannot be happy or successful unless you have really good boundaries. I now have really good boundaries Mm. and it is life changing. I always tell my clients, if you do one thing, and you know, of my programs, I teach lots of things, and boundaries is usually part of it. If you just focus on boundaries, your life will change Mm. immeasurably. They're they're so powerful. So we can't balance our needs Mm. unless we have boundaries in our lives.
0: Yeah, and it's that, you you know, it's where I start, stop, and the rest of it starts, whatever it is. And I feel like I personally believe that boundaries is the work of life. Well, maybe just be for me, but it's like it's that foundational. It's that foundational. And um, I wonder, so how does this look for people, people who are feeling like they might need to work on their boundaries? What would be your kind of top top tips or where to start with that? So um, this
1: is the rule that has just been life changing for me. And again, it's I break it all down in the book, say what you mean, mean what you say and don't say it mean. And what that means, what if if you stick to that rule, it will always work. Because so one thing people do is like, you know, if you say, um, you know, can you help me with this thing on Friday Um, and I can't but I give you this really long-winded, oh, I don't know, Kate, because maybe, but I've got to get home and let the dog out. It it just sort of depends if my son has soccer or not and if my husband's there and um, and, and I've got to get dinner on, but nobody needs my story. You just need, yes, I can be there or no, I can't. And the thing Mm. I explain to people, I love a no. I'm really, really happy if you say no to me because then I know where I stand and I can move on to plan B. Kate's not going to be able to help me. Okay what am I going to do instead of that Mm. what I can't stand is a wishy-washy yes that's what that doesn't help me a wishy-washy yes where I kind of have a feeling that Mm. are you going to show up are you not going to show up
0: there's a lot of energy going into that wishy-washy yes from both sides right (sighs) yeah it's a waste of energy
1: yeah so first of all say what you mean and mean what you say Mm. so and also the, don't say it mean. So here's the thing. If you say what you mean and mean what you say, if I say, you know, Kate, I can't help you with that thing on Friday and you're pissed off with me, you're like, oh, great. And that you're upset. That's not my responsibility. Mm. If I have not said it mean, if I've been just, you know, Kate, I'm sorry, I can't help you. If you are upset about that, any feelings that you have about that, are none of my business, but I will say that's how people in our lives manipulate us, mm. right? They show their displeasure and we feel so bad. We want them to be happy and like us again. So we go, oh, you know what? I'm sure I can make it. And you're like, oh, great. So I now I feel bad because <laughs> yeah. now I'm like, oh, God. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. What we're doing there is Kate's feelings matter more than my feelings. So if I say, you know, F off, I can't, I've never liked you anyway, you stupid idiot, and you're hurt. Well, I have had a part in that because I was Mm. rude. And I said it mean I have had a part in hurting your feelings. Mm. So it's sticking to this rule. And understanding people may not always be happy about that and they may huff and puff about it, but other people's feelings are not my responsibility. My feelings are my responsibility. Mm. Because now I because when I say no, it means I have lots of energy to say yes to things. Oh, I love so it i can say yeah i can help you on friday because i can and i want to and i've got enough energy mm-hmm. you're
0: badass with the boundaries i need <sighs> to have a speed dial when i'm dealing with my son you're like you've got that down i love it and that's so true isn't it um i love that and don't say it means it's almost like keeping our own if we're keeping our own yard clean there yes there's no there's no there's a really good clear line and I guess what you've said as well what I see people in in our community struggle with is that um and myself too is that afterburn like you said that's sort of being able to sit with or discharge the discomfort of other people's disapproval
1: yeah the other thing is when you have boundaries um expect to repeat them many times mm. you know so i will get clients to say well i said no and they didn't listen and then they they just ignore my boundaries and then they're outraged i'm like yeah because you've they've known you for 20 years and you've taught them how to treat
0: you you've mm. They'll taught get them. used to it you just yeah, have to repeat it
1: yeah so expect to repeat it many mm. many 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 times calmly just say the same thing just know that people are not going to get it at
0: first be a broken record basically yeah if yeah, you are a be. real broken record with that, a really calm, like, you know, satty or something, um, calm, broken record, they'll just, they'll get bored of being argue, argumentative yeah. with you about it. Yeah. I first did
1: this with my mum. And she, I, I remember being on the phone with her and she asked me to do this thing that I didn't or couldn't do. It was 17 times. I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And then she <laughs> slammed the phone down on me at the end because I had not done. And then what I used to do would be then, cave in and yeah. say yes and i didn't do it this time and now and it took a while didn't happen overnight now that we don't do that my my mom i'm very clear of my boundaries my mom says knows if i say i can't do that she knows there's no point pushing it any
0: further yeah, Love it. well done i love that thank you and i've written yeah. that down i'm gonna use that put it everywhere that's, it would that's yeah. what really helped me that's what changed yeah. my life is is practicing that
1: rule mm. um and, and it's not it will be messy at first you will make mm. mistakes but you'll get better and better and the people around you will realize that your yes means yes and your no means no and and
0: it, that makes life easier in the long run for everybody yeah. and again there's that that thing about for me alcohol was the the boundary that almost allowed me to feel my edges gradually over time with all the other boundaries yes it's a gift because it can let you can feel your edges and it's uncomfortable yeah. at first but that that yeah. again those it, it, itchy scratchy bits are the way aware that you know once you can put those boundaries in like you said you can have that freedom and you can have that balance to be well
1: yeah the last two pillars process and growth hmm. are really processes about understanding how our past shows up in our present that, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, I don't wanna go digging up the past. It's like, well, it's showing up in your daily life. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's understanding limiting beliefs. It's understanding mm-hmm. the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's it's healing yeah. any childhood wounds that we have, mm-hmm. because all of that is baggage that we carry around that we don't even realize mm-hmm. that we're carrying. And we can do lots of things to, you know, therapy, um, Twelve steps, this program, um, workshops, mm-hmm. self-help books, you know, meditation—all—all this numerous different tools that help us process feelings that we have. So mm-hmm. it's really about—we um, uh, tend to kind of have this storage container. You know, things have happened to us, and we don't process these feelings; we just shove them down inside of us mm-hmm. in a storage container. And when we get sober, we have this storage container inside of us full of historical feelings and emotions about things. That's why we feel kind of almost full to the brim when we first get sober in a bit of an emotional kind of roller coaster. So it's about understanding that we need to begin to um, honor what happened to us and honor those feelings, validate Mm -hmm. them by processing them so we can release them. Mm -hmm. It's, It's about being free of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and you um you mentioned some of the ways to do that might be therapy. Mm-hmm. Um what about this? Well, I'm quite interested in the sort of somatic piece of that, that kind of if we're in fight, flight, and if we're in fight, mm. flight or freeze, you know, that stuff that's happening on mm. that nervous system level. Because I think for me, I remember what my big piece, you know, there was trauma there and I didn't realize i didn't have a name for it because it wasn't you know an earthquake or or a physical attack on me so i i had a lot of understanding about trauma um, Mm. to to piece together so what about yeah speaking to that piece yes yeah Mm. and i
1: talk about this in the book is and that's very common lots of us have trauma that we are carrying around that's still affecting our daily lives And I'm a, you know, I'm a trained psychotherapist. I'm a big fan of that. But I really believe modalities like emotional freedom technique and EMDR are really, really good ways to deal with trauma in the body. So, um, yeah, I was so disconnected from my body. I had no, just so disconnected from what it was saying to me. So it's really about, um, and, and I, you know, get some sobriety, get a community around you before you embark on doing perhaps some deeper, more personal work on trauma and that kind of stuff. But um, I love those tools because you can deal with a lot of stuff quite painlessly. It's not like psychotherapy where you spend months talking and talking and talking. You can, I, I, so I was, um, last year we have a puppy and he was, we were both attacked by a pit bull and a um, husky really badly. They tried to kill him, they bit me, it was really traumatic. And I just knew that I had to take care of that because I was, couldn't sleep. I was just, it was going over and over in my mm. mind. And I went to see my EFT practitioner three sessions and it went. Yeah. So there's really, really good ways that we can out there just like, right, this stuff is showing up. I know it is, mm. you know, go find a practitioner, you know, you may have to try out one or two. And, and do, put the effort in because, mm. you know, the rewards of being free are just incredible. And when we talk about freedom, what we're talking about is freedom in our minds. Mm. It's so that we're not playing stuff over and over or dwelling on things over and over. It's having freedom in our minds.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. And it, I think that, I remember Dawn of She Recovers, we were talking and she said, mm. you know, it's pretty much in her experience, it's always some kind of trauma because Mm, even if it's mm -hmm. not a it will be some kind of dysregulation an emotional something rather so it's again we've had a lot of understanding haven't we about what that word actually means in a similar way to understanding you know the whole alcohol use disorder and and that becoming more nuanced and sort of accessible I think that similar around Uh, around trauma and I think you know there's I'm interested with the boundaries and with this about you know a gender piece bias towards um, for us women drinking as women oh for sure yeah yeah. I mean for sure
1: I I think you know I look back and think you know when I was drinking in the 90s how lucky I was to really I was putting myself in more and more dangerous situations and I, I think that being a young drunk woman is very different to being a young drunk man Mm. and what we can experience you know i think that the chances of us having kind of sexual trauma is much higher Mm. um
0: so yeah i think that
1: there's there is they are different experiences
0: yeah yeah yeah. and um, i'm the other thing that i think is really important that you you mentioned that i'd like to pull out i think part of the when you stop drinking I think part of the sort of almost profile uh, of our you know people who have problematic relationships with alcohol is that need for immediate gratification or a quick fix or you know we use we get something very quickly to numb something Mm. and so I know for me certainly I kind of wanted to fix everything as soon as I was got sober I was like right I literally am going to look like Gwyneth Paltrow in a month and I'm (laughs) going to be super hot yoga person and just be an angel you know it was like yeah. this perfectionist running the show and very this this idea that this process might take a while and also the idea that maybe I shouldn't be looking at that stuff right away and almost give myself a period of grace to get used to the nuts and bolts of sober living um yeah. I wonder if you can just elucidate on that a little bit more you just that what you think about that point um, that we don't get perfect overnight. Yeah, and also giving ourselves a period of grace. I mean, think you mention in the book that those two are best left. Yes, They're, they're at the end of the process, if you like. Yeah, it, it's,
1: you know, <clears throat> it's definitely like peeling an onion, you know. Mm. Uh, the, the first thing that you need to do is create some solid sobriety, and that and the essential to that is the connection community bit. You know, have a, a programme in place that we're just... You know we're beginning to do things that just support our mental and emotional health before we get to a point uh you know lots of people have childhood trauma before you go and address that don't do that on like day seven or even yeah. i think maybe even in the first year yeah. just be you know unless it unless it's there's no avoiding it which sometimes mm-hmm. is the case is just you know i know you're there i'm going to we're going to deal with this i'm just going to make sure i'm on a really sure footing before yeah. i do that I I think, and also please just work, make sure you work with someone who's very qualified and experienced. Mm. There's a lot of, check people out. I always encourage people to do that when they're gonna work with me. I always say, check me out, like really have a good dig Mm. because there's a lot There's lots of people offering services that they're not qualified and can do way more harm, especially around uh, trauma they're not qualified to deal with.
0: Yeah, so important. yeah so so important and I do yeah I agree with you and I mean that concurs with my experience I have to say it's almost like you know I'm sober and the rest is good enough establishing feelings of safety connection and solid ground yeah and some really good sort of muscle habit change sure footing um yeah and I think you know when it's the right time I I think for me I would feel like either excited or like you know ready for an, a new challenge or I'd feel bored and that mm. was my almost like a little green flag that I'm ready to add something in already for a bit of new growth mm. um, yeah it, you know it,
1: yeah I, I mean I had my first child when I was 10 years sober and I felt on very very solid ground and I was so, um, but I I had postnatal depression Um, and then I when I started parenting when he was a little bit older I saw my mother come out and I didn't want to parent like my mother had parented me so it was like this whole new layer of work was revealed to me that I didn't know was there until I had kids and had Mm postnatal depression so you know and I'm sure that will happen when I start aging or you know I'm sure that you know Chip talks a lot about this in the podcast about getting ready for the transition the big transition Mm -hmm. and uh you know i'm that's the whole thing about our circumstances change and 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 you know new things get opened up and it's not a bad thing um and it all leads to the next pillar about growth Mm -hmm. they're all growth opportunities we the best thing about sobriety is we are all being called to grow we are all being called to grow beyond where we are right now and um uh as long as we're human and have breath in our body, but when we're drinking, we don't have the bandwidth to honor that growth. So we kind of stay in a holding pattern where things are all right, you know, they're all right. We've got a nice house and go on holiday, or whatever. But we're not growing emotionally in the way that we're capable of. And for me, that's our superpower. Like that's this is an experience you must not miss. Mm. Like do, this is the main mm. event. Alcohol's not the main event. This is the main event is growing into fulfilling your purpose. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what your purpose is, like just be in the accepting of, I don't know what my purpose is, but I really can't wait to find out. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. You know, I had no idea when I got sober, this is what, like, this is what I'm best at. I love what I do, this work, I'm really good at it. But I had no idea in the first year of sobriety that I was gonna do this or I'd be good at it or it's my purpose and I'll do it for the rest of my life. It just unfolded and I just mm. followed it. So the growth the growth piece is the reward. It's the, the emotional growth beyond where you are now. And with growth will always come fear and resistance because that's just part of that process. And that's the other thing about a skill, learning the skill to navigate around that. I wasn't given that skill. My, my eldest son, um, I noticed with my second son, it's much easier being the second child. They just kind of follow in the oldest one's footsteps. But the my eldest son like recently had a couple of things, like he joined the ski team where we live and he was really nervous about that because he's not as good as everyone else because he hasn't been skiing very long. So we got him a private lesson and he was really nervous and, and now he's fine, now he loves it. And I always frame it and and you know say, that was a hard thing that you did. Do you remember how scared you felt and you didn't want to do it? but we broke it down and we did it bit by bit and now that now you're really enjoying it. like i talk about upper limits and growth and and you know he has a football player he really an american football player really admires and i said you know this when he was a kid he did the same things he had to stretch into a new team and it was really scary and blah 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 so because i didn't have those lessons and i want him to have those lessons so we we have to learn how to navigate around the fear and resistance and the voice of the ego, but it's just simply a skill we don't have, and and we can learn at any time.
0: I absolutely love that. I got goosebumps when you were talking about that, and and about this being the main event, sobriety being the yeah. main event. I love that. And this yeah. so, you know, this stretch piece. How can people just quickly? Because uh, mm. I I am aware of the time. Um, how can people stop begin to play with this this idea of stretch and navigate those, those yeah, the, the discomfort of that.
1: Yeah, I, there's a great book that was written years ago called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And it is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, mm. is um, the way that I get through scary things when I'm being stretched is I, first of all, acknowledge like, okay, that's what's happening. Mm. That this is fear and resistance because this is a new thing. And then I get through it by doing the next right thing. Mm -hmm. So what is the next right thing? Sometimes that's going and making a cup of tea. Next right thing is I'm just gonna make a cup of tea uh, and I'm gonna have an early night. Or it might be, I'm just going to send that email Mm -hmm. or I'm just going to fill in that form or whatever it is. It's when we do that, we can let go of the outcomes because it's Mm -hmm. what happened, the fear and resistance comes because we're trying to control the outcome and we're scared we're not gonna get it or it's not gonna work out. So that just overwhelms us so we have to the way we get through that is just step by step what is the next right thing I'm not going to worry about anything beyond making this cup of tea I'm going to make that cup of tea and then I'll send that email and then blah 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 blah. and that's how we get through
0: it Mm. and you know when you're talking about that it's sort of making me think yep that's sober that's sober stuff it's like the mind tools are life tools are sober tools are body tools are Uh, human tools right what we're talking about here and what you've put Mm. together so brilliantly in your book is this these pillars and this kind of roadmap of Mm. of how to be well as a human you know I I really Mm. feel that um yeah and not and not miss out on the main event (laughs) yeah don't miss the main event like
1: alcohol and fighting with yourself about whether to have a drink tonight or not is not the main event event, and that's not your purpose
0: no there's so much more on offer for everybody here thank you so much it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you veronica we always finish with just tell us your reason to love sober today today right now
1: you know for me it's um what i'm loving is uh being up early at weekends like we get up early and we're first on the ski slopes and it's like, I was just on Sunday, I was, it was really empty and I was skiing down and it's crystal blue skies and I can see Lake Tahoe. And I was like, this is my church.
0: Oh, this beautiful. is my
1: church. Like I am so in this moment. Mm.
0: Like there's no buzz better than that. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Goosebumps again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much again. It's just been a delight to speak to you. And I really appreciate I appreciate being able to speak to you on a personal level because I you know we all need those people further down the line don't we and we could it's like that flock of geese kind of thing flying geese and we call back to other people and we call ahead and we're all and, and I find it very comforting actually I find it hugely comforting to speak with you so thank you personal thank you, thank you from me. thanks yeah. kate it's lovely to and we will hopefully meet up this summer Hopefully. Yeah, let's do it let's do All it right. we'll put everything in the show notes and if you're immediately concerned about your drinking please do reach out send up a flare um we'll pop where you can you can find veronica below um you know reach out to your gp Um, and just know that you're not alone you know send us an email at uh, hello at lovesober.com or have a look online and just find the people you vibe with you're not alone and we will see you next week for more chat